Hello and welcome to Proper Full On Gay Crisis. I'm Jamie and joining me this week are Doro and Paula from LGBT Youth Scotland. If you enjoy the show half as much as Elle really loves Tao, set your milkshake down and hit subscribe. Write a five star review and follow us on Instagram. You can find our socials at Proper Full On GC, discover more about the show and our partners at properfullongaycrisis.com. And if you feel like sharing your own story, reach out to properfullongc at gmail.com. During our conversation today, we talk about conversion therapy, which some listeners might find distressing. If you've been affected by conversion therapy or anything like it at any point in your life, support is available for you. Please check out the link in our show notes to find out more. This is Season 1, Chapter 6, Girls, Let's Meet Our Guests. Hi folks, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Oh my goodness, I'm so excited. Hi, Jamie. Very pleased to be here. Oh, I'm so pleased to have you. It's, it feels like forever ago that we recorded with LGBT Youth Scotland. So much time has passed, but it's only been a few weeks. It really has just been, what, four or five weeks since you were um, last with us? Your organisation yes. was last with us. Yeah, it's been a busy few weeks and I can't believe we're in November. I know, I know. Don't it terrifies me how quickly time flies. Why don't you folks introduce yourselves? My name is Doro Weber and I use uh, she, her pronouns. Um, and I'm here today because I am an absolute Heartstopper fan. And I'm also the fundraising and communications manager at LGBTU Scotland. Now, being a comms person, I feel like it's my right to do a cheeky wee plug right at the beginning of the show <laughs> on behalf of Jamie. So if you love this podcast as much as I do... Uh, I suggest you jump on your phone and you give it a follow on all the socials at proper full on GC. And I promise you'll not miss a single episode. Um, it will be worth it. <laughs> You're so and much I, better at this than me. I, try, I, try. I get paid for this stuff, you know. Um, but no, I'm, I'm so excited to be here today, Jamie. So thank you so much for inviting me. And I'm looking forward to chatting all things coming out. Oh, it's such a pleasure. You're very welcome. Um, my name is Paula and Paula Manners. I also use she, her pronouns and I am the Digital Youth Work Manager at LGBT Scotland, which means I look after all of our online services, which includes a live chat service where young people can come on and chat about how they're feeling, often when they're questioning their gender identity or sexual orientation. Um, and I also look after our um, digital youth work platform. We have a Discord server called Pride and Pixels. Um, so that's what I do. And LGBT Youth, for those that don't know, is Scotland's national youth work organisation for LGBTI young people working to make Scotland the best place to grow up for all of the LGBTI young people in our country. Oh, it's so important, isn't it? The work that you guys do is so important. Our bread and butter is our youth work. And Paul, I can talk a little bit more about that. Um, so the direct um, support that we offer young people through our different youth work services. Um, but we also recognise that, you know, um, we're here to make Scotland a better place for LGBT young people. Yeah. And um, we do that through our education work and our LGBT charter programme for schools and organisations. And we also do a lot of policy work and a lot of research to help influence decision makers. And we do that by amplifying the, the voices of young people um, and making sure that they get to speak to the right people to make those changes. Um, that's kind of the three strand, how I always like to think it in my head. But Paula, maybe you can add a bit more about our youth work. 
Yeah, I, I, we deliver youth work services right across the country from Inverness up in the north of Scotland through to Dumfries and our digital services cover um, all of kind of remote and rural Scotland, including the Scottish Islands. Um, and the biggest part of that that young people most know us for is our youth groups. So young people get to come together, meet other GTI um, make some really good friends, learn they're not alone, as well as learning a lot along the way about lots of different things. Um, young people tell us that our services make them feel more confident, more secure in their identity, and a lot of them will say that the relationships and friendships that they form through coming to LGBT youth lasts in a lifetime. Of them, we all know how important our friendships are. Um, big theme of the show, Heartstopper, of course, and we like to think they play a part of that. Um, as well as that, we also provide young people one-to-one support using a coaching approach, and we also provide lots of opportunities for young people to get involved and having a voice. Um, so they are influencing um, changes that would be happening in the Scottish Parliament or in other places that they can get involved um, in things that are going to affect them in their own lives. That must feel quite empowering for young people to to know that they have that kind of influence. Yeah, absolutely. I think it can be easy, you know, especially when you're first coming out or when you're first questioning your gender or sexual orientation to feel quite alone and quite isolated with that. Um, and we see that a lot, of course, in the show. But coming together with other young people um, who've been through similar things um, and that on its own, I think, can be really empowering for people. They get a chance to then speak directly to decision makers, to politicians, to MSPs, and to explain to them what it's like to be a young person, to be an LGBT young person in Scotland, and know that that's then heard and, and you know impacts what then goes on. I think it's huge for young people. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's massive, massive. You're listening to Proper Philongay Crisis. This is the podcast where we take inspiration from Heartstopper and use it to talk about the lives of queer youth today. So should we get in? Should we get stuck into the show? Yes, absolutely. I'm ready. We're here today to talk about season one, chapter six, Girls, which is a really, really, really great episode. I love this episode. Yeah, I love it too. Um, I was, I mean, I love every episode, but there are some really lovely moments in this one and I'm looking forward to exploring them with both of you. I think that it's a really, really lovely episode. I was really glad that we got it. So I'm really glad to get stuck in and, and talk more about all the interactions and all the layers and themes that come up throughout the episode. If any listeners want to get in touch to share their own thoughts about this episode, they can send us an email at properfullongc at gmail.com. They can also send us a text message at 88440 and start your message with PFOGC. The only thing that we're not going to talk about in sequence in this episode is um, Tao story arc. We get two little Tao moments in which we're going to talk, talk about right at the top of the show and then everything else we'll just talk about in order because it gets all jumbled up. Sometimes we talk about things in the order of the story arc that they're a part of, like if it's a particular character or a particular theme, but because this episode, all of the themes get jumbled up together, it's easier just to do it in the order that they come up. Um, so early in the episode, we see some tension outside the girls' school when Harry gives Tao a shove as he arrives and repeats Tao's dick nozzle joke back at him. Um, Tower rebuts that if Harry wanted his attention that badly, that he should just throw his last brain cell at him, um, which gets a laugh from Harry's friends and really strikes a nerve. You know, Harry gets a bit upset. And Charlie observes that Tao might have actually hurt his feelings. Go Tao! Um, I know, for sure. And then the second little Tao moment we get later on, where we see that he definitely has made himself a bit of a target with Harry, is um, whenever Nick and Tara and Darcy are having lunch on the hockey pitch. 
in the background, we hear Harry shout at Tao asking if he's not having lunch with his boyfriend today, meaning Charlie. And Tao mm. is very quick to respond that no, he's actually waiting for Harry's mother um, in a classic schoolyard comeback. A lot of fans are a bit critical of Tao, aren't they? Because of how they think he could have behaved a bit better and been a bit of a better friend to Charlie. But he's actually being given quite a hard time by Harry himself. Like he's one of Harry's victims now very much. And in many ways, he's a fierce protector of his friends and like comes to their defence at any given moment. Um, but it always feels like he's got his own emotions kind of going on under the surface that he doesn't totally know how to talk about. Yeah, and I think um, I find Tao um, a bit frustrating at times, to say the least. But I also, <laughs> I also have a lot of empathy for him because um, I think there's just so much, so many changes happening around him. People are changing, situa- like his life is changing, and he's just holding on um, for the good old times uh, and, you know, just not wanting to lose that. So I can kind of relate to that as well. And and it comes out in his kind of overprotective um, ways with um, with Charlie. And But he doesn't do himself any favours, not really being supportive of Charlie's love for Nick. <laughs> Change is really difficult, isn't it? I think probably all of us could relate to that feeling of, your friend getting into a new relationship and that shift in the dynamics of the friendship and everything changes and um you know especially when you're a bit younger you don't always handle it as well as maybe you do when you've been through it a few times and you've learned that relationships do go through ebbs and flows including friendships and you find your way back to balance you know when your friend's got a new partner sometimes they spend a lot of time with them and they neglect their friends for a little bit but it all comes back in the end (laughs) yeah I think we've all been there and felt that, you know, at some stage. Should we carry on with the rest of the episode? Definitely. Let's go. Go for it. It's movie night at the Nelson household and Nick is browsing some LGBT plus um, movies. Maybe a themed movie will help break the ice with his mum. Maybe that's what he's thinking. Or maybe he's just curious about queer media. After all, he's trying to figure himself out still, isn't he? Is this a fairly easy way for young people to break the ice whenever they're thinking about coming out? Yeah, I think that's really common. I think there's sort of two things, not even just before thinking about breaking the ice. I think for any young person who's questioning their gender identity or their sexual orientation, seeking out any different form of queer media, whether that's sort of conventional media like film, whether that's like YouTube or TikTok or any of these things, like that young people often find representation there and find space to explore. And we really see Nick doing that in this whole episode using. Um, people on YouTube to kind of explore who who he is and how he might identify sexually. He might have, I guess, he doesn't seem to have those roles in his personal life. Um, but I think I also really related to seeing um, you know, as you're you're floating that as potentially he's trying to start that conversation with his mum in like a more subtle way. And a lot of young people do tell us that they they do that. They really like um, not only not just to break the ice, but I think also to um to gauge someone's response but to work out does this person say that how did they have a positive reaction to this you know same-sex couple or some yeah. couple in a film um, and they use that to work out whether this person is a safe person um, to come out to and I think that's really great to know for all the allies out there because it's important so then but if someone does maybe do that they kind of are exposing this kind of media that actually there's maybe an opportunity there for you to show that you're a safe person and show that you are someone who can be opened up to um, if they want to. I love Heartstopper so much because it's like a positive representation. Um, I remember when I was young, you know, there wasn't as much uh, representation and usually the things out there would be, you know, someone dies at the quite end a, or yeah, um, it would be yeah, quite grim and quite sort of, yeah, sad, you know. Um, 
Brokeback Mountain. Goodness, oh. <laughs> that was back in my day. Yeah. And, um, you know, now having hard stuff and having that as a conversation starter or to gauge someone's um, reaction to see if they're a safe person to come out to, I think is absolutely brilliant. That's absolutely. it. And Heartstopper is the kind of show that it's, you know, you'd be safe to watch Heartstopper with your granny and nobody's going to get embarrassed or, yes, you know, feel yeah. a bit uncomfortable if it's, you know, it's not sexualized in any way. It's just a really lovely show. But can I just say in this in this uh, lovely first scene, shout out, appreciation moment uh, for Olivia Coleman. Um, I think she's absolutely brilliant. I would love to have dinner with her. Um, she is just funny, quirky, gorgeous, but yeah, big, so talented. I know. big shout out. <laughs> Pizza with Olivia Coleman. I think lots of people would, would sign up for that for that evening. While he's browsing, his mum suggests Pirates of the Caribbean and he she teases him about how they had to watch it on repeat one summer and thinks it's because he liked Keira Knightley. And then while he watches, he realizes that he likes Keira Knightley and Orlando Bloom. Oh, that honestly, that scene is brilliant. Um, that's, I love absolutely love that scene because it's like the focus on the eyes, like the close up. You know, you can see his eyes, and then it goes Keira Knightley, Orlando Bloom, and it's just, it's just so well done. It just sums it up. You don't need any words, and it, I love that. Yeah, and straight after, it seems like he goes off to his bedroom and starts to Google bisexuality and he finds an influencer that he really likes. And it's, yeah, it's just a nice a nice moment for him, definitely. Did you know that the um, the vlogger, that he's actually real and he has a YouTube account, he's called Courtney J. Um, and yeah, he apparently got picked for this gig because he was the only bisexuality YouTuber or YouTuber wow. that talks about bisexuality and um, he's got a whole um, I think a couple of videos on um, his Heartstopper experience and he talks about um, having to basically come up with a script or a, you know a, something that fits in 25 seconds and getting the concept of bisexuality across in 25 seconds is a, is a, is a challenge and um, I recommend watching it it's absolutely brilliant. That's fantastic I can't believe you went off and did that level of research you really are better at this than me. Terrible. <laughs> Unprepared. Not at all. No, I was actually generally curious about it. When I saw it, I was like, is that real? Uh, it crossed my mind too. Like, is that a real YouTuber? But I didn't have time, sadly, to, to go and take a look. And um, what was his what was his YouTube again? Courtney J. That's so a good. To, we yeah. should get him on. We should get him Absolutely. on the show and talk to talk he's to on, us. He's on Instagram as well. Um, yeah, he's he's got he's done loads and loads of videos, but I think it would be yeah. great fun to invite him along. Oh, definitely, definitely. So we pick up the story with Tara's story arc next as we arrive at the girls' school. It seems to be about lunchtime, and earlier that day, Tara posted a picture of, on Instagram of her and Darcy kissing with the caption, Girlfriends. There are 16 comments we see on her phone which start to pop up on screen. Many of them are really positive, but there are a couple of really negative comments too, which she deletes. Did you both notice Alice Usman pop up? She's pictured as one of the little talking heads on Tara's screen. I didn't notice it. I'm the least observant person in the whole world, but I did read about it later. <laughs> that that yeah, she'd be one of the So voices. did I as well. So did I as well. I read about it afterwards, but I just thought it's one of those lovely wee details on the show that you that you find all the time if you're kind of catching on. Definitely. Both Elle and Tara are lost on their phones, prompting Darcy to ask if she's checking um, Timothy Chamolet's Instagram again and joking that maybe she's texting with Tao. With a little friendly pressure, Elle confesses that she has a crush on Tao, but she doesn't feel like she can say anything to him. They're really, really good friends and she doesn't know whether or not he likes her back. It can be quite hard to be a teen in that situation, can't it? Yeah, story of my life. 
crushing well, on your friend. <laughs> tell me about it. Tell me about it. When I was in my teen, teens, I was madly in love with one of my friends. It was the most awkward thing. He was one of the rugby lads, but was very similar to Ben in a way. And we ended up in this really toxic friends with benefits kind of relationship. Um, sometimes he'd come home with me. Sometimes he'd go home with a girl that he met in the bar. It was pretty painful looking back on it now. But oh, God, um, no. yeah, crushing on a friend is never easy. But it's so easily done, isn't it? Because you've already got like a friend's chemistry and you already have trust and it's just lovely. So why not? <laughs> I know for sure. For sure. Well, I've, I have a good example of why not. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but those could be such painful experiences that are at the start of a lot of kind of pe- LGBT young people's journey with romance. Um, it's a feeling of rejection and that is painful. I know it is. It's not, it's not very nice. Like it was painful when it happened. Like when I look on it back now, I kind of wish that we had it connected in a different way. And that instead of a sexual relationship, we could have been there for each other in a different way. You know, it's like he, he had and has a lot of internalized homophobia and um, is still like, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's bisexual, but he's never come out and he's, he's, yeah, it's not, I don't think it's an easy situation for him. Um, So I kind of wish that I could have been there for him in a different way, if that makes sense. And I think that that in itself is quite painful too, to think about. Absolutely. There's a sense of loss there. Yeah, for sure. I think think also with like, um, you know, LGBT young people, like, because if you're not out yet, so you're not in LGBT spaces to actually openly start something with someone. So actually your friends are like, of course, yeah, it makes total sense why it happens. And maybe happens a bit more with LGBT young people. than, than, yeah, with others. Yeah, for sure. Later that day, Tara is catching up on her Instagram and um, post whenever she's in the music store, the instrument store. It definitely seems to be one of their safe spaces in the school, like Tara and Darcy spend a bit of time in the instrument store. They always seem to end up there. Um, by now, our post has been like 68 times with 20 comments. Uh, more comments pop up on the screen, including two pretty homophobic remarks about how she's too pretty to be a lesbian and another about how her being a lesbian is such a waste. She finds the comments quite upsetting and as she deletes them from her feed, Darcy arrives and provides a bit of comic relief. And uh, Tara tells her to mind the door that it's the one that locks you in. Social media is really great and it can be such a useful tool. Like we've talked about that quite a lot in this episode already. We've mentioned it and in previous episodes, but it can be really tough too for young young adults, can't it? Um, I think as well, we've seen a rise in cyberbullying um, during lockdown. And I think there was a report as well published by um, TIE, which is a um, charity in Scotland for inclusive education. And it was something like... Um, you know, 60% of LGBT young people um, had seen an ex- or experienced online bullying during lockdown. And um, three out of four reported that it had been worse than usual. And I think yeah. that was obviously the result as well of young people spending more time online. Yeah. But I think just in general, whether, you know, out with the pandemic, that's even the case <laughs> out with that as well. So um, I think that's why it's so important as well that there are safe spaces online and obviously the digital project that we run um having a having that safe space is absolutely vital yeah i think i read something about cyberbullying some time ago which kind of acknowledged that bullying is in itself is not new children have always bullied other children adults still bully other adults yeah um but what has maybe shifted with like the onset of young people being online a lot more is that it doesn't end with the school day 
Yeah. Um, so perhaps when we were growing up, not to assume we're all the same age, uh, but when I was growing up, I'm 35 now, if someone was being really horrible to you at school, at half past three, you could leave school, you could go home. And as long as you were safe at home, then home was okay. Obviously, that's not the case for all young people. But in general, you could leave the school experience at home. And that's kind of no longer the case because young people are always in touch in a way that they maybe weren't a long time ago. Yeah. I'm sl- I'm, there's a bit of a generalisation there because obviously things leaked over back then too. But I think that that to me is the heart of what, I guess what makes it different is it could feel a bit more relentless because there's no break there. You wake up, there's comments waiting for you. You go to bed, there's more things happening. Like there isn't it must be so any hard. time off. Yeah, it's because it's in your pocket. You're carrying the bullies around with you in your pocket. You know what I mean? It just it must be horrendous. Yeah, exactly. And there's no way there's no way to go from it. And schools struggle to deal with it because it's not happening on school property. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's really difficult, and it's difficult to have. It so is that like what what makes prejudice based bullying different to other bullying is that it bullies it's bullying you basis on the basis of your identity, on the basis of who you are, and that breeds shame and um that is such a toxic thing to carry into the development of your sense of self and that's what we hope to counter by creating spaces for young people where they feel able to be proud and happy and where they can see all the wonderful things about being LGBT rather than feeling that sense of shame for sure we have an episode coming up next week um with shout out ireland all about episode seven which is uh, really it's about bullying that's the whole episode is Harry and uh, Nick and Tao. So it's a really great episode. Make sure you keep an eye out for it. We're going to be joined by Ollie and Ash. Shout out Ireland's a great organisation that aims to combat bullying across the island of Ireland um, in schools and colleges. So definitely keep an eye out and uh, give it a listen. Darcy points out that they're in the room where they first kiss it, kissed and realises that Tara isn't feeling great. As she asked her if um, she's okay, the music teacher arrives and reminds them that they're late for rehearsal. It seems that news of Tara's coming out has spread really quickly. Is that also does that also add a level of intensity to, to experiences like this? Because word spreads so fast. I think the biggest thing there as well is is how in control you feel of that. So if you've decided, and in some ways, I guess there's an element of control that Tara's had there that she's decided to make a, a sort of public announcement, a post, but is still like really overwhelmed. By then the impact of that just spreading really fast because once you tell one person that's it, it's kind of out there um but that's also deeply felt by young people who maybe have haven't been in control of how many people have found out where they told one person and confided in them and then um that's then spread about the school and even if other young people are really supportive it's still information that you weren't ready to share yeah definitely for sure in a way that kind of speaks back to charlie's experiences like in the books it's implied that whenever he came out to tao that's how he was outed at school then because tao was overheard talking about it or something like that so yeah it's very easy for it to happen even whenever it's not intentional yeah i thought it was a real shame as well because obviously you know um tara and darcy they were putting up a picture of them on social media and you know usually you have your friends on social media and it's usually a nice thing to share like here's the person I love you know something to celebrate and definitely um, the fact that it has such kind of um consequences and it's now center of att- the center of the tension at school and it's like the latest gossip that's a real shame because that doesn't really happen to non-queer youth as much you know they put a picture up and everyone goes oh yeah cute like you know yeah. and for some reason for them it's it's quite a 
conflicting experience and I really feel for them. Yeah, I think that is the case, isn't it? Even when, because it, it struck me that there was more supportive comments than there were hostile comments in general. Yeah, um, but even sure. that feels quite, even that feels overwhelming for them or for Tara because she's still feeling vulnerable in her sense of her identity and that still feels really, really new for her. Um, so I thought that I thought that was interesting to see and reflect that even when you do get those supportive reactions, that that still feels scary and big. Definitely, definitely. We follow the pair to another classroom where an orchestra member tells Tara that they never would have guessed that she was gay, but that it's so cool and brave of her. Um, Tara looks really defeated at this stage. Like she just looks <laughs> so deflated by it all, doesn't she? Yeah, I think she's just in the midst of it all, and. Um, it's kind of like it's a it's a bit awkward as well you know it's like I mean that person's intention was probably to be encouraging and being like you know I'm proud of you but I think for that person (laughs) like maybe not quite picking the right words um it can you know not being able to fully relate to it or making maybe too much of a deal of it than they need to um it's it's just a bit awkward it is like ostensibly supportive and the person has really nice intentions there's still a lot in there isn't there about like the assumptions of like I never would have thought you were gay and what that means and the kind of um the assumption of what being gay looks like and what a gay person is like definitely yeah the one might know the teacher reminds them that they will be at the boys' school later that week and Darcy comments that she doesn't see the the point in same-sex schools and jokes that she's saying that as an absolute lesbian other girls overhear her and they laugh and they call her, they tell her that she's so gross or they comment that she's so gross and that lesbians are disgusting. It's such a homophobic remark. Tara's really surprised by the girls and she gets annoyed asking what their problem is. And Darcy offers to throw anti-homophobic cheese at them. <laughs> is anti-homophobic cheese a good way to combat this kind of cowardly homophobia? I think humour is a good way to combat homophobia. Absolutely. and that's. It's humour that, what is such a beautiful, um, although it's always a distressing scene, there's such beautiful interactions between Tara and Darcy and the support that Darcy's offering Tara is to bring like lightness to it and not take it as seriously. And that strikes me as something that LGBT people have done for generations, is take something that was insulting and mean and make it into a joke. And for I think sure. Darcy as well. Of it. Yeah, and Darcy, she's, she's a great character. Um, I think she's very you know, loud and, and kind of, you know, energetic. And um, I think what we know of her is that she's been out f- for a bit longer. So she seems a lot more confident in, in, within herself and yeah. she's kind of helping Tara with her coming out. And she's so supportive Definitely. and I, I love her humour as well. I mean, why not throw a bit of anti-homophobia cheese? <laughs> I wonder if you can buy that in Tesco. <laughs> that That is the difference in them, isn't it? Is that Darcy has got a stronger sense of herself and feels more secure in that part of her whereas for Tara it still feels quite new it feels quite raw I was going to say as well I think um you know when someone's been homophobic um to your face it sometimes can maybe be even be sometimes not always a a bit easier because you can maybe Mm. directly challenge it back but if you just overhear someone you overhear these nasty remarks that someone's making as you're passing um it is a really cowardly kind of way for someone to um you know, to be homophobic if there's like different levels, I don't know. Um, but you know, because if you overhear someone, you have to decide like, do I stop and do I challenge them or do I just walk on because you can? They didn't that directly address you, and it's a that is a that just creates such a horrible atmosphere that you kind of have to walk in. Um, yeah, my heart really goes out to her in that scene. 
Definitely. I think it was Ryan from Car Friend last week made that comment too, that sometimes even as an adult, it can be hard to make a choice whether or not to directly combat some of somebody's homophobic comment just because you don't feel safe in that moment or because it's just easier for them and for you that it just you just let it slip by and I'm guilty of that too where you overhear something and you just think oh it's not worth the hassle or it's not worth the aggro that that'll cause by you know challenging it. Absolutely yeah I've been there as well you know and sometimes you actually don't you don't feel safe to actually say something and that's it it's like you just have to to walk on and that's that's completely okay um but yeah it's oh, it's it's tough should we talk about nick and charlie for a bit yes please <laughs> we join nick and charlie lying on a blanket in the park nick asks if uh nick asks charlie how he realized that he was gay and for charlie it has always been boys he's always been kind of aware of it even whenever he was young Nick explains that he's still not really sure how to describe himself, like he hasn't found his label yet. And Charlie reassures him that he it's okay to take a bit of time to try to figure it out. It's a really nice moment, isn't it? Love it. Charlie's one, so supportive. It's, and again, it's one of the lovely things about the show is seeing really um, healthy, happy, supportive relationships between LGBT young people and our young people really need those role models so they can see that those relationships are possible for them. Um, and what I also love about that moment um, is that I feel like there's an implicit like challenge to a lot of biphobia there. So a lot of, um, obviously bisexual young people, but actually bisexual adults as well, um, report you know experiencing a lot of discrimination and stigma from members of the LGBT community, um, or not feeling that like they're allowed to belong like in queer spaces. But what you see there is something like Charlie just doesn't have any of that. He doesn't bring any of that yeah. at all. Um. And it's just nice. The absence of it was really, felt really refreshing to me. I just loved as well, like, can I just say as well, um, Joe Locke has just such a beautiful, soothing voice. Like, I could just listen to that all day long. Um, and he's so sweet in that scene and, um, you know, just so understanding and open-hearted. And I love when he delivers the line, um, you don't have to figure it out right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just I just love that. That really takes the pressure off and having a response like that, it's just it can it can just feel so good to hear that, you know, when you're in the midst of all of that confusion. Definitely, definitely. There are a few moments in the show like Joe Locke really gives Kit Connor a run for his money for a young person in his first acting gig. Like Joe Locke's incredible. Like he does such a good job. Yeah, big fan. Was there a particular moment for both of you whenever you realized that um you were part of the queer community? Um, I quite I think I related to um Nick's kind of slow realization of there not being like a sort of one sudden moment and yeah. um, I've never really related to that narrative when I hear other people talk about sort of knowing from when they were really, really young or having like one, you know, moment when they saw like, I don't know, like Gillian Anderson or something. Yeah. I thought it's always Gillian Anderson. That's like gotta <laughs> love Gillian like, <laughs> Anderson. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't know why it is, but it always is. Um, I don't really relate to that. So I like I like seeing that portrayed, that idea that it could be like a slow awareness where you yeah. come to realise maybe things are things are a bit different. I think for me it's been more like um Charlie sort of because he says something like uh, that he's always been sort of aware of it. And I yeah. think that was the case for me. Like I remember having my first crush on a German folk singer at the age of six. <laughs> <laughs> and that was followed by um, completely, you know, complete crush on my biology teacher. when I was like 10, 11. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then I, I probably fell in love for the first time when I was 14 yeah and I had a religious upbringing um so being gay wasn't really an option 
um I was going to church but I also had like my friends group there so all my good friends were there we were all doing churchy things together and I was on track to um you know go off uh study theology and uh become a a you know a minister or a, a pastor in the Baptist church that was uh-huh. my plan at that point anyway um but that all changed when <laughs> on the day of my baptism um so in the baptist church you get baptized as an adult rather than a, a baby and so when i got baptized that day it was kind of like it was so i mean that, that could probably make a, a movie you know realizing actually you know having this awakening and uh my best friend at the time um it turned out that you know we had both fallen in love with each other wow. and had kind of been pushing it away and pushing it away and then on that day it was just very poignant <laughs> Um, we kissed for the first time and it was beautiful and it just felt so exciting and lovely and I'm like oh goodness this is this is what's happening but at the same time it was also really confusing and conflicting especially because of the religious upbringing and the church I was in and the people I was surrounded by that were just like you know it's an abomination and it's sin and this can't be and you either live a life in sin or you know and you're gay or you just get rid of your gayness and 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 follow god and <laughs> live a good life and i'm like oh goodness and being being told at such a young age you know um there's still so much developing going on like yeah. um it's such a yeah such a tender age um that you know there's something intrinsically wrong with you for who you love and who you attract the to that is just i don't know a complete um that's so crushing and that was kind of my experience. Um, it, I, got, I had to turn up every week um, for prayer ministry, which is basically a way of like conversion therapy of just let's try and pray the, they call it the, the demon of homosexuality. Let's just cast that out of her. And obviously it didn't work. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of glad that, you know, that I kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful that I kind of moved through that. Um, but it was also just the experience of that. And then once it came out and my friends, my other friends kind of found out about it, it's just, I was kind of treated as, oh God, we don't want to be so close to her anymore. Like, because oh you know, it might catch on. Um, and the people, you know, the, the very people that I looked up to with like for role models, um, they kind of isolated themselves. Like they, they kind of isolated me as well. Like just because they didn't really know what to do. Like, oh, we've, we've prayed, you know we've been doing this for a while. It's not really helping. Uh, what else do we do? Or we don't know. We're just kind of like, you know, I just was made to feel really un- unwelcomed and um, they distanced themselves and that left me feeling quite isolated. And yeah, it, it, it was really tough, but um, eventually I then um, met a girl uh, abroad in, in Belgium and we fell in love. And a couple of years later, I moved to Scotland and that's really where I kind of found my home and um, was able to, come out and in the end when I look back um, I'm really glad <laughs> that I didn't go down the route of you know becoming yeah. a pastor and I always feel like <laughs> the sense of actually my homosexuality has saved me from that <laughs> from that life um, and yeah I'm really glad that you know coming to Scotland where I found other other LGBT people other queer people and just being able to be out and happy and in a relationship um, because back then I, I didn't really know a, a single LGBT person um, back home and um, kind of I left just kind of yeah where do I go I come to Scotland <laughs> it must have been very hard because it sounds like up until that point you were you were really involved in the church that you were a member of and it was something that you were really devoted to so to hear that kind of um, 
response and that kind of feedback must have been really painful. Yeah, it, the church was my life. So obviously I've had friends at school as well, but it was like my 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 really close friendships and sort of my yeah, my social life all happened within the the church circle. Um and yeah, it just it felt really lonely because I wasn't able to speak to anybody when it all came out. Um, you know, me, me and the girl, um, my first love, like we, we got separated and we weren't allowed to speak to each other. Like every time oh the goodness. church service, I had to check in with with my uh, with my mentor, you know, um, to kind of sit next to them so I wouldn't go over and speak to speak to her. And um, it was just I, I don't, it was just it was ridiculous. And what strikes me as well is, you know, now looking back, I, I'm I just can't comprehend it because this church, like it was full of people. It was in a university city. So there were a lot of educated yeah. um, people in there, you know, academics, doctors, and the fact that they have those beliefs <laughs> and those practices, you know, and this is only 20 years ago. Um, it's it, it's absolutely shocking, you know, educated people um, still, still practicing and believing that. Oh, I'm sure it still happens today. Like I'm convinced of it course, happens today. Yeah. It's just totally mad. We've got some very homophobic churches in Northern Ireland. And I, I just, I hate to think what it must be like for a young person to be in that situation where they're just discovering themselves and learning about this part of themselves. And then to be faced with such terrifying and um, negative experiences, you know, even if you think about the theology and how um, you could end up going to hell and all these different all these different things that people like at that age you're very impressionable and if you've been committed to yeah. the church for a long time then that's that you, you could believe that and it's yeah very scary it is really scary like thanks for sharing Joel. Like, I think it's really powerful to hear that and um, to reflect on the impact of that and it makes me feel really glad that young people now have things like Heartstopper where they can see like yeah. almost like a model for like happy, healthy relationships that it sounds like you just didn't have. Um, and it makes me glad as well. I think one of the things that we want to touch on today is that we um we run, every five years, we run a research project called Life in Scotland for LGBT Young People. Um, and one of the things that we found this last year was that, and I'm just going to check the figure because I'm going to get it wrong, is that 82% of the young people we spoke to uh, about a thousand young people had a positive first experience when they first came out to someone um, and that's, that's gone up year on year yeah and it that's makes me think that we're doing something that's working because we're doing even though there was still a lot in the report that was negative and young people were still reporting a lot of homophobia bipolar and transphobia a lot of bullying etc actually the first person that they told I think I'm LGBT they had a good supportive reaction from is that means everything um because it's so vulnerable to speak to someone for the first time. And it has such an impact. You know, the task of adolescence is to form a sense of identity. That's your developmental task. Yeah. Um, and if people are interfering in that by giving you messages of shame, that takes a long time and a lot of therapy to work through. Yeah, totally. But that's really encouraging. And I think, um, you know, this is why like, there's still a lot of work to be done. And this is why we still exist as an organisation. And a lot of the other partner organisations on this podcast as well but you know my hope is that one day we we don't we don't need an lgbtu scotland anymore um but we're not there yet and there's still lots more yeah, work to be done lots. definitely hearing about conversion therapy might be difficult for you if you've been affected by conversion therapy or anything like it at any point in your life support is available for you please check out the link in our show notes for more information 
When Nick apologizes for being all confused, Charlie suggests that it might help if they kiss, and they almost do, but Nick gets spooked by a couple walking close by. He apologizes again to Charlie, and Charlie tells him not to be sorry. It's one of my favorite Joe Locke lines. The way that he delivers that line is so beautiful. It's like his tone of voice is just so perfect, and it was just really, really lovely. Later that night, Nick... Later that night, Nick revisits the bisexual vlogger who talks about how confusing it can be sometimes. And um, that one day you're attracted to a boy, the next day you're attracted to a girl, and that one day you realize that it didn't have to be one or the other, that it wasn't a choice, that it can be both. Like it's a really lovely moment. Like that's kind of how I felt whenever I was first discovered that I was bisexual. Um for a long time, I considered myself to be gay. Like, that's what people called me in school after I was outed. So that's just kind of what I thought I was. And then it wasn't until probably university time that I realized that I was bisexual. And that's exactly how I felt. It was like, oh, I don't I don't need to choose. It's, it's perfectly okay. Yeah, it's a journey as well, isn't it? Like, you have that time getting to know you. And it's like, it's not an overnight thing that you're like, oh, yeah, I know I'm bisexual. Or, yeah, I know I'm gay. You know, like, it's um, it's a journey. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. But what I love about this scene as well is it's kind of the so he's he goes back on uh, to 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 watch more of the vlogger, and it's a second time. So the first time he sits by himself, I noticed on the floor, and That's it's right. quite sort of sad. And now second time round, he seems a lot more sort of um, yeah, just to seem the the scene feels a bit different. He's a bit more confident, and it's a bit more sort of uplifting. And he also, I noticed, has the dog by his side on the Aww. bed, second Nelly. time round. Nelly, yeah, big shout out, appreciation moment for the beautiful Border Collie. <laughs> um, it's actually a he in, in real life, and uh, his name's Echo, lives That's down right. south, and has got a huge fan club now as well. I think he's absolutely Doral, gorgeous. you've got so many facts. <laughs> Fun facts. I've got no you, facts. Yeah, but you've got you've got all the knowledge, Paula, you know? Okay, we so make you a good you team with the facts. Yeah. He has quite a big Instagram presence, doesn't he, yeah, Echo? Totally. And apparently, like, fan, when fans see him in the street, they recognize him and they, like, I read a story about a, a girl that, that met him and completely burst into tears and hugged him because she no was so, so, so happy to, to have found him in real life. It's really lovely the way that they incorporate Echo into the story arcs, like the moment whenever um, Nick is explaining to Imogen why he cancelled their date and Echo comes and she has a cuddle with the dog just before he breaks the news to her and breaks her heart, you know, so it's really touching in a way that um, the dog is there to support characters too. I am definitely, I'm known to be one of the least observant people's ever. I don't even remember there being a dog. <laughs> like, and I, I'm, I'm an animal Hola. lover, I have a dog. I feel like I need to watch it again and keep an eye out for the dog. Oh yeah. my, I can't, Nelly I can't the believe I can't believe you didn't notice the dog. That's almost they... as bad as Zach not realizing that Elle was a transgender character. Like that's almost oh, really? as bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as bad as that. <laughs> that's oh. so funny from Zach. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But come it on, the dog is like when they're playing in the snow and Nelly's there, it's like a beautiful, beautiful scene. I, I love that dog. I remember honestly. them playing in the yeah. snow. I don't remember the dog being there. Paula, oh, you gotta be watch it tonight. Paula. Be watch it tonight and like I'm yeah. so shocked. <laughs> and I, I am an animal lover. I have a dog. <laughs> that makes it worse. You're not making it better. If anybody that's listening hasn't popped back to listen to Zach's episode, Zach was one of our guests in episode one with LGBT of Scotland. It's an incredible episode to listen to. It's really good, really touching and heartwarming. And yeah, definitely go back and give it a listen. Happy to move on? 
we pick up their story arc again as Nick is walking Charlie to the assembly hall where the orchestra is practicing um, for the big concert. When he asks, uh, Nick asks Charlie if he's allowed to go to the concert. He wants to go to support him. Charlie's really surprised um, and asks why he wants to go. He can't believe that Nick wants to go. Um, and it's just because Charlie's there and Nick wants to be supportive. So it's a really, it's quite a sweet moment. Yeah, it's lovely. Charlie gets called away to set up his drum kit and Tara arrives. Her and Nick have a brief conversation before she asks if him and Charlie are getting on okay, if they're doing, if they're, if they're getting on well. And Nick tells her that they are actually, they're sort of going out. It's such a lovely moment. This is Nick coming out for the first time. Such a lovely moment for him. And Tara is so excited for him. Yeah. That's a beautiful reflection of those, hopefully some of those responses that we talked about. And it's certainly true as well. That for the majority of young people now and probably for a long time, the first people they come out to are their friends, right? It's not your parents that you come out to first, it's your friends. Yeah. And what I also loved was just seeing how uh, when one person feels more able to be open, there's a bit of a, like, a ripple effect there. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. That he knows that he can speak openly with Tara because she's, he already knows that she's a member of the LGBT community and that that's something yeah. she's only told people about quite recently. So she's also maybe in a similar space to him but just a little bit ahead and that's what gives hope you know and so I thought I thought that was really lovely and the excitement I just thought was beautiful I think because I think what Dora was saying earlier about you know previously there was a lot of LGBT media that was very very tragic in scope um and it's not that those stories aren't real and don't deserve to be represented but how refreshing to just see a young person be like I'm going out with a boy and his friends to be like, that's amazing. Like, I love yeah. that. It's one of my favorite bits of the whole show. It's so nice. It's so nice. Heartstopper does such a good job at showing coming out in all of its different forms. And yeah, absolutely. even showing, you know, that it, it isn't something that you just do once, you do it over and over and over again. You know, it's um it's really good. It's it's there's been some news recently about Kit Connor and how he was um, forced, he felt forced and pressured to come out by fans yeah. and I just hope that he had some of these great coming out experiences in his personal life that you know while he maybe wasn't ready to come out publicly that he did have you know really good positive coming out experiences too just like Nick has. Yeah I really hope that too it was quite, I was reading about that you know in preparation for coming on and chatting with, with you both today and it was just so oh it's like somewhat devastating to see that played out in reality and to a reminder for all of us that just because someone might be publicly associated with the LGBT community doesn't mean that they're necessarily ready to talk about it yet and they deserve time they deserve time to be able to process that come to terms that and decide who they're going to tell on their own times uh, on their own terms sorry um, that's part of having control over your own story, control over your own narrative, and we need that. We need to feel in control, um, yeah. and that we've decided when we're going to tell someone, even if everyone maybe has guessed or has some awareness. It's still important to feel in control of that, and to know that there's no absolute right or wrong way to do it. So just because you're in a TV show that's about LGBT young people doesn't mean that you're required to be open and public about your own sexual orientation if you're not ready for that, or if you don't want to. Yeah. Yeah, I think totally, like, nobody owns anyone an explanation about their sexuality, including celebrities. And I think mm. um, it was just really sad to see that even, um, you know, it's not just the media, but also, like, um, the fans so who put that pressure, yeah. um, you know, on him um, and, you know, to demand, like, or oh, tell us 
how you are <laughs> um tell you what you tell us what you are and i think that's just um it's really sad because they completely missed the point of the show and also just like a really strong example of the ways that um bisexual people can be discriminated against within the lgbt yeah. community because of that immediate assumption that because he was seen um with a woman i think holding hands with a woman right there's that immediate assumption that he's then not a part of the community and so many bisexuals describe that yep. right that feeling of like if i'm That's with right. an opposite gender partner i don't feel like i belong anymore i don't feel like i could be part of the community when they are bisexuals are a very important and a very welcome element of our community um and i was almost sad that i've reflected earlier on how sort of happy i was to see that lack of biphobia in charlie and then we see yeah. that kind of coming out in the world. But I like that. I actually like that, like aspirational TV thing, like create, you know, portraying the For world sure. that you, you want to have, not the one we're in. Um, yeah, but definitely. yeah, just a reminder that there's an awful lot to be done there and work to be done within the LGBT community, not just out with it. Definitely, for sure. It's something that I've definitely felt like I was in a, I'm pansexual and have been in the past in a long-term heterosexual relationship. And I, I felt like I wasn't queer enough for the community. You know, it is, it's definitely something that, that still exists. Although that was some time ago. I don't know that I feel that way now for sure. <laughs> and it's also that feeling of that question of like what Dora was saying about, you know, you don't just come out once, you come out many times. Um, and I think one of the interesting things that we've, um, I was reflecting with my colleagues about coming out and what we hear from young people in advance of this podcast. And one of the reflections of my colleagues was that young people often reported coming out once, then realising that no one had really taken it seriously and like happy to do it again. <laughs> I feel like oh, this is no. definitely a thing. But yeah. I think that is the case for a lot of maybe like bisexual people where they're in an, op- an opposite gender relationship and everyone just assumes that the bi bit has gone away. Yeah. Um, and then you end the relationship, you start dating again then it's like you have to come out all over again, right? Because you're like, well, actually, no, I'm still interested in all of these genders. Um, yes. And you have to do it again. And what yeah. is there's something about the human psyche that is just very um, attached to binaries and feels very threatened by anything that's vaguely ambiguous. I don't yeah. know what it is, but it's definitely a thing, isn't it? It's interesting because whenever the relationship ended between me and my ex we're obviously still very much like we're very good friends and we're very much connected through the kids and you know she's just part of the family and I think she actually spends more time with my mom than I do like it's a bit embarrassing <laughs> um but whenever whenever that relationship ended and um I put a post out about whenever I discovered the term pansexual because before I always referred to myself as bisexual but I knew that it was never quite right and like pansexual was like a really it was like a light bulb moment I was like oh my god that's so my label like I just was so surprised that I posted about it and she's like oh thanks for warning me that you were going to come out and I was like uh I came out whenever I was like 18 like what are you talking about (laughs) but in her mind it was like that that bisexual part had gone away because I was in a relationship with her and yeah to her it was like she it almost felt like a new experience even though at the time whenever we met and everything else she was aware that I was bisexual and that she was aware that I was out of the closet and everything else it is it's funny that you mention it she's gonna hate me now because I've mentioned it in the podcast (laughs) (laughs) love it (laughs) you're in in trouble yeah (laughs) always when people talk about coming out they sometimes question whether or not it's still relevant like I can't imagine a time when queer people will never have to stop like will ever be able to stop telling people about themselves I think sometimes it might be less of a big deal you know like sometimes it's less of like a big announcement you know sit the whole family down mum dad I need to discuss (laughs) you know there might be less of that 
But as long as there's an assumption that people are, you know, heterosexual and cisgendered, then yeah. there's a need to clarify the point. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's great the way Heartstopper shows coming out in its many different forms. Like almost all of the coming out experiences that we see in Heartstopper are very casual and very kind of yeah. in the moment where people are just introducing a partner or just telling a friend the way that Nick has done here. Um, so it is lovely to see all the different ways that people yeah. come out now that it isn't just a big dramatic announcement, you know. And I, I don't want to sound incredibly old, even though I am. Um, but I do think that Gen Z are a bit less, they assume less that everyone is straight and cisgendered, I think. I think that's Yeah, fair. for sure. Later that day, Darcy, Nick and Tara meet for lunch in the hockey pitch. Nick explains to the girls that he's not really ready to come out yet and that he doesn't really know what his sexuality is. Darcy tells him that that's okay. Tara didn't know either at the start. And she goes on to suggest that they have a double date the next evening before the concert Aww. that they all go out for milkshakes. <laughs> milkshakes <laughs> how lovely <laughs> for sure yeah, I loved that it was so beautiful wasn't it I think one it's so important to just have like a bit of space and time to be able to reflect and not feel under pressure to have this like really clear answer this is definitely how I identify because sometimes that can change over time like you were saying about your experience yeah that's Jamie right. of hearing the term pansexual and thinking actually that sounds more right that's fine um and so I loved that, that they, would, they gave him that space. And then I just loved as well that sort of normalising experience of like having a double date and like going to get milkshakes. And I've always thought that that's something that our youth groups provide is just young people being able to have normal experiences. Um, where there's kind of, I guess, I mean, there's been, I think there's been some research on this that sometimes because LGBT people have like maybe started dating later, they hit developmental milestones a bit, I think. Yeah. Maybe I was just projecting, but like... I think I love to see that, <laughs> that they were having very teenage experiences as their authentic selves in real time. Yeah, it is lovely yeah. to watch. Um, it's really nice to see Nick find his own community. Like Charlie has a really so strong cute. community in his friends, but yeah, Tara Nick. and Tara and Darcy yeah. are definitely Nick's friends. You know, and, it's really lovely yeah. to see. Nick's not got great, great pals at the beginning, really, does he? Like, no, not, not real pals. I know it's it is difficult to watch sometimes. It's hard whenever you're in that kind of situation because people grow and change over time. So often the friends that you have whenever you're like this young kid in primary school and the start of secondary school, and then your friends grow up to be a, and you don't really notice <laughs> until until you notice, and then it's like, oh my god, you're such a horrible person. Like, why am I even friends with you? And that's what Nick is experiencing. Yeah. Like his friends yeah. have changed and. Um, yeah, it's difficult. Tara and Darcy, I, I love them because they're so um, they're just so supportive and um, right. understanding. But they yeah. also they bring a certain level of lightheartedness yes. to the whole thing. Yeah. And I love that invite. You know, like let's let's go and have some milkshakes. I, I just thought like, oh, that's just that's just so lovely. Definitely. But definitely. then I, 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 I was thinking milkshakes just before a concert. It is quite heavy. Like milkshakes like, are pretty heavy. Like, yeah, do those exist in England? Like, I've never seen a milkshake band in the park. Well, of course, milkshakes <laughs> exist. But, like, milkshake bands, like, in parks randomly. Yeah, I've never really seen one. I mean, if I would think of a milkshake, I would think of, like, going to McDonald's or something like that. Like, <laughs> I was thinking That's... as well, like, yeah, drinking drinking a milkshake and then, like, playing the trumpet. And yeah. I just thought I, I was, I, it was very good, clean fun, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was. It very needed to be in there. 
I'm going to ignore yeah. the fact that they're going to play an instrument, a brass instrument afterwards. It's okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> okay. it was a lovely, lovely scene. <laughs> Although I did judge the, the, the bubblegum milkshake thing. Oh, I was like, disgusting. absolutely not. That's revolting. Yeah, I'm definitely me. with Team Charlie on that one. Yeah, no, no, thank you. On the way back <laughs> to the hall, Tara tells Nick that he shouldn't feel like he has to come out to anyone until he's ready. It's so poignant now it's with lovely. what's happening. Yeah. Being out is hard and that people see you in a different way. Nick asks if she's definitely gay. He thinks that he's like girls before and he wonders whether she feels the same. Um, and she laughs and tells him that kissing him when she was 13 was one of the things that helped her just <laughs> helped her realize hashtag awkward woman. Like, no, <laughs> not good, but very funny. He tells him that they're the first people he told about Charlie and Tara asks if it feels good to, um, to have told someone. Of course it does. Of course it feels good. I love how this episode juxtaposes Nick's coming out experience with Tara's. It gives us a lot to talk about. Um, they're both at different stages of their journey. Like Tara has told a few of her friends first and now has made like a more public announcement on her Instagram. Whereas Nick has just really started to tell people his closest friends. Yeah, I think that's that was such a lovely way the story developed because obviously um, Tara coming out to him at Harry's 16th birthday party and uh, that was a really lovely moment as well and you could just see in Nick's eyes in that episode that he was just so happy for her and it almost gave her like gave him hope that you know it's okay it's okay and uh, now it's kind of like it, it switched and he actually came out to her and yeah it's a great moment it really is it's also great that Alice kind of shows us that to- that coming out doesn't always go to plan. That it's that that it does that it is difficult sometimes, you know, and and gives us a few tools to help think about that. I liked that it was at both sides. That sometimes it's difficult and painful, and sometimes it's absolutely fine. Yeah, because um, I worry sometimes, or I have worried before, that when a lot of the portrayals were of like it being terrible, that it made young people really afraid. When actually, a lot of the people who are in their lives would not have a negative reaction. So I like the both sides. I like that. Definitely. And even though Tara has a tough time, she's got this like solid people in her life who are supporting her and looking at looking out for her. Um and she's still okay. She gets through it with the support of her lovely girlfriend and her friends. Yeah, definitely. Community's really important, isn't it? Whether they're queer community or straight community, you know, whoever your community is, it's it's really important. We pick up with Charlie in his room when his sister calls him for a chat. He tells her that she can't come in because Nick's coming around and she jokes that she hadn't realised that he was in a committed relationship. He tries to respond and tells her to shut up when he can't find the words. It's really great to see Tori again. Like, she's so good. She's such a good big sister to Charlie. So good. I love her. I love her. She's like slurping her drink. from. It's just like, <laughs> it cracks me up, honestly. <laughs> yeah, really good. We get a lovely moment with Nick and Charlie in the next scene um, when they're doing their homework together. They're lying on a on a rug. Um, Nick's side of the rug has a yellow circle and Charlie's has a blue circle. I love all the colour play. It's really good. When Nick catches Charlie staring at him, he asks if Charlie heard that Tara came out and he tells Charlie that he told Tara and Darcy that they're together. It's such a lovely <laughs> moment Yay! for the couple. Celebration! <laughs> so nice. Charlie thinks that it's amazing and that Nick is amazing and he checks. Another really lovely Charlie moment that he checks that that Nick was sure that he wanted to, that he didn't just do it because he felt pressured. Really, That's nice. my absolutely favourite moment of this episode. Um, it's, uh, yeah, Charlie just having the very spontaneous hug attack. Um, so loving and excited and happy. Uh, and they're just hugging on the floor. That's just so lovely. 
It is pure queer joy. I think it was Lisa yes. from Shout Out that gave me that term, queer joy. It's like my favorite term. Now. I use it all the time. <laughs> As Nick leaves, he tells Charlie about the double date plan with Tara and Darcy. And um, then Charlie does a happy dance in the hallway. <laughs> I don't know if you if you notice this, right? But there are there's there's so many instances in this episode where characters wave at each other. Like, I don't know what it means, but it hasn't come up in previous episodes. And this is one of those times where Charlie and Nick wave at each other. But it happens so much. If you watch the episode back, it happens so much in this episode. There has to be some kind of like hidden, hidden meaning behind it. Don't ask me what it is, but it's. it's I, need to ha- I need to watch it again now just to, just to, look, to God, look out for that. Wave, they, they're waving all the time, really randomly. They'll just wave at each other. Not just Nick and Charlie, but loads of the characters. Well, you know, Charlie's dance as well. It just it makes me smile so much um, every yeah. time. Like I've watched the episode maybe two or three times. Um, yeah, I am a I'm a hardcore fan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the dance is so cute. Uh, it reminds me of my of my nephew. He dances just like that when he's happy about something. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that's very cute. <laughs> a great moment. Definitely. Later that evening, Charlie, Nick and Darcy are having a group chat and they're talking about the date and they also talk about how Elle and Tao like each other. They decide to invite them to come along and make it a triple date, even if they don't know about it. Darcy thinks that they're great meddling gays and uh, Nick looks really happy to find some new friends in in Tara and Darcy. Lisa from Shoutout talked about how finding a community is one of the joys of coming out. And embracing your queerness. And we see that here for Nick, that he came out to Tara and now they've got this little group, um, which is just so nice to see. But it can be sometimes quite hard for young people to find that community. Oh, 100%. And again, that's another thing that I loved about this is that I feel like a lot of previous like media has shown a lot of the losses that can happen with coming out, like losses of oh, some relationships yeah. or like maybe not belonging and a certain community. Like Nick doesn't really belong as much in the sporting community anymore, but I loved that's And that right. is all true and important. But yeah. what we see here is also the gains that you're be able to make connections with people that are really authentic. But yeah, I think it can be hard. And that's why, not to plug again, but just to plug again, <laughs> that's why LGBT youth groups are so important. Um, yeah, Lots of schools in Scotland now have like LGBT clubs in school as well. So young people can meet sort of like-minded folk there as well. Um, yeah. But if ever anyone, if you're in Scotland and you don't know any LGBT young people, you know, feel free to get in touch. You can log into our website our live chat runs four nights a week and we will absolutely let you know how you can meet with other LGBT people in your area. Hopefully. It's so important. It is. It's no, great that I think, that exists. Yeah, I think finding your tribe, it's it's such an, such an important thing, especially for queer young people. And I think for me, because I never had that back home when I was a teenager, that was actually the, the driving force of why I moved to Scotland uh, because I was able to find my tribe, my community here. Yeah. And it really, you know, gave me a sense of just feeling less alone, feeling understood and um, also then helping me like back then, you know, becoming more confident in who I am. And just like if you see people around you who are your peers, but also your role models, it's just um, it's so important. It is. It really is. Um, what I love about this scene in particular is that we get a little glimpse into the lives of um, Tara and Darcy. Like their bedrooms are incredible. Did you guys check out your bedrooms? Darcy's no, is- I didn't know any of this. <laughs> are like, you I noticed serious? It. <laughs> I, over my head, like- I love it. Da- the teddy Darcy's- bears. Oh, yeah. And Tara's-, Tara's bedroom, she's surrounded by teddies. It's so yeah. cute. <laughs> Darcy's bedroom is just total chaos with like the string lights and the tinsel. It's just total madness. I don't know how she can survive in that room. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. 
but it's kind of stylish, you know. It's really? like it looks oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, very cool. Definitely. Elle's bedroom looks really good too. Like there are other scenes where you get to see Elle's bedroom and of course <laughs> Tao's bedroom. Um and also did you notice that um Charlie's bedroom is all yellow and Nick's bedroom is blue? Yes, as well. I know, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Um the color play is really good to it. Like it's fascinating. Somebody's gonna write a university paper on it, definitely. Um, they're probably already doing it yeah it's they're, they're part way <laughs> through it's um friday night whenever we pick up the story arc again and the friends are meeting for milkshakes tao is surprised and happy to see l and we get like a nice little throwback to the previous episode where l um actually tao is like dancing towards her and then she reels him in it's such a That's, nice uh, moment i absolutely love it it's the wide shot as well and with the tree in the middle and it's like <laughs> and again Tao's little dance it's just it's it's perfectly done <laughs> yeah there are loads of really important moments in heartstopper that are framed by trees or that are filmed under trees like you yeah. should definitely check that out it's really interesting how they put these scenes together i love trees and i'm like i, I noticed that as well there's, there's loads and loads of trees yeah all over the place this scene has loads of great pride colors in it again like um we've got the blue milkshake wagon with the white roof and the pink tent is like a callback to trans pride colors the blender itself is pink and white and it contains that offensive bubblegum milkshake. Nick is drinking a pansexual pride milkshake. There's just so much going on in terms of the colours in the scene. It's really great. And then, of course, we've got butterflies all over the tent, which is a real symbol of transformation as well. The friends chat about how Elle and Tao met. Elle was friends with Charlie and Tao came along as a package deal. Mm -hmm. Darcy comments that they make a cute little pair and Tao wants more milkshakes. So Nick and Charlie go off to the milkshake truck. While they're there, Charlie asks if Nick wants to go on a date with just them. And then he immediately retracts the offer saying that it was stupid. Um, and another little moment of his insecurity. He carries so much insecurity, yeah. doesn't he? Typical Charlie moment. So I cute. Know. It's like the expression on his face as well. He's like all hopeful. And then it's like, oh, the insecurity just comes over him. But And then he For can sure. almost not believe it when, uh, when Nick says, no, actually, I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> and Charlie's only experience is of being disrespected in a relationship and oh, of being kept goodness. a secret. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the fact that someone willing to be out with him publicly and be on a date must feel amazing compared to what he's been through before. But I'm not surprised he didn't expect it. I know yeah. it is. He, he has had a quite a traumatic time, I think it's fair to say, with Ben and everything that happened. Back at the table, Darcy's telling the story of how Tara and her met and um, how they got together. Tao thinks that they work really well as a couple and Darcy comments that it's because they're really good friends. Um, Tao gets called by Charlie to go and help with the milkshakes. And when he leaves, Elle gets a bit upset and asks Darcy what she's doing, trying to set them up. Elle is a bit annoyed. She doesn't want Tao to know because she believes it'll change things and she's had enough to deal with in terms of how her life has changed. And, you know, I can totally understand why she would feel yeah. that way. No, totally. And I was a wee bit annoyed with Darcy in that scene, to be honest, because she's just a wee bit too pushy. And I'm like, just drop it. Just she needs her, she needs to do it in her own time if she do, if she's going to do it. I know, definitely. There's been a couple of moments in the show where Darcy is that kind of overly pushy friend, like it was the same in episode <laughs> episode <laughs> four, I think it was, where they're at the rugby match and she's questioning Charlie about her his relationship with Nick. Yeah, we need to we need to rein her in a bit. Oh, she definitely needs reined in, but she's so good. 
Tara empathizes with Elle and tells her that sharing things like that really does change everything and that it's not always for the better. And she's talking about her coming out experience, like her recent experiences. And um, she makes eye contact with Darcy and Darcy looks a bit concerned. Elle is definitely right to be a bit upset in this moment with the yeah. the way that they're kind of acting and carrying on. And Elle's been through an awful lot recently anyway, with her own, like you say, her own kind of coming out journey and having to move schools and things like that. So um, he definitely needs like all the patience in the world. Charlie and Nick are chatting at the van when Tao arrives and he asks if he is interrupting something as a joke. And so he makes a bit of a joke and Charlie thinks he's being serious and there's like this really awkward moment until Tao tells him that he'll wait for the last milkshakes and Charlie Charlie and Nick head back off to the to the tent. Charlie turns back for a moment and makes eye contact with Tao. It, it is a bit uncomfortable. You know, there, there, there's definitely a bit of discomfort here. Back at the table, Elle asks if Charlie and Nick knew about the whole thing being a setup. Nick tells her that he thought it would be fun to go on a triple date. It's another coming out moment for Nick. Her and Tao, Tara and Darcy, and of course Nick and Charlie. It's just such a lovely moment again. Absolutely. It's a lovely moment. And again, you know, it just shows all the different ways of coming out isn't a one-time occurrence. It's like it, ha- it has to happen over and over again. Yeah. And it's going to happen for the rest of your life. For sure. Elle is so excited in this moment for Charlie, especially because she's had to watch all Beautiful. of his intense pining. Charlie looks really excited too. This isn't something that he was expecting to happen. And he just looks so happy. Charlie hasn't pressured Nick into telling people about their relationship, even after Nick told Tara, someone previously outside their friendship groups. Um, Charlie didn't ask if it was okay for him to tell his friends or or anything like that. It, it has been, you know, it's just so lovely to watch Charlie be so supportive and so selfless in a way. Yeah, it's just such a lovely example of love and friendship, isn't it? Of like how much, how you can love your friends so much and just be so happy when something goes right for them. Yeah. Um, I love that. It was beautiful. We momentarily cut to Tao standing at the van waiting for the last of the milkshake. I don't think he can overhear what's happening, but he can hear the laughter and the excitement of the group. I kind of feel a bit bad for him in this moment. Like he's missing out on all this queer joy. I feel so bad for him. Yeah, it's such a shame. I mean, he didn't really do himself any favors by, you know, not really being not really giving Nick a chance um, and being too overprotective of Charlie yeah. because he really is. You can really see how he's missing out in that moment. And and uh, yeah, I do feel sorry for him there. It yeah, is sad. I, I feel quite protective of Tao because like, he's seen Charlie go through so much with like, you know, having sort of seeing people who keep him a secret and treat him really badly. And I think from his perspective, he's probably... You know, he sees that Nick's like one of the rugby lads and he thinks, oh, this is just the same thing again. I'm going to see my friend get hurt again. Yeah. Um, so I think his intentions are really pure. Yeah. He wants to protect his friend and love his friend. But you're right, it does cut him off from like connecting with those moments of joy and happiness because it does work out. I know for sure. The friends walk to school along a river. This scene is deliberately framed mm-hmm. so that the two couples make eye contact and smile at each other before they walk past the camera. They're they're both intentionally separated. I really love how that moment's shot and with mm-hmm. them showing physical distance between the two actual couple couples in the groups. And then we get Tao and Ella's approach and they're physically connected to each other by um, the headphones at first. And then Elle wraps her arm around Tao's waist um, and tells him that she really loves him. It's such a beautiful moment. I think that's one of my favorite moments in the whole series. Just that one yeah. line is spoken so beautifully. And then a little red heart pops above them. It's really nice. Yeah, I love it. 
it's beautifully framed um just a shot as they walk past and i just i i thought it was really um interesting as well how the first two couples um charlie and nick and darcy and uh tara um they, they're not physically touching but then you've got the the earbuds connecting tau and l and yeah. they're the ones that are like trying to figure out things out like you know what's going on and then they also use the the love word which we haven't really heard i don't think in the show That's at any right. other points so saying I love you and I think maybe it's easier to say that because they are such good friends and it's yeah. easy to say that on the grounds of being friends but obviously you can tell there's some deeper feelings some deeper love there as well and um, I thought that was that was really well done that's so true I hadn't picked up on that 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 she uses the love word whenever she well I, of course I picked up that she uses the love word but I didn't connect its symbolism that's really good I don't know if you noticed in next bedroom in next bedroom there's a poster on the wall of a sports car reflected in some water and underneath it says double vision and a <laughs> lot of this episode the scenes are reflections of each other so this scene is reflected later on whenever the yep. people are running back to the the school hall and you can pick up on all those little details like I haven't mentioned them so far but if you watch back you can see throughout Heartstopper where they reflect scenes back on one another with different characters involved even the script is often reflected back and repeated it's really yeah. interesting to kind of match them all up yeah in the, in that in that scene you just mentioned uh, I noticed that as well that actually um Tao and L are the ones that are separated by space that's and right the other two couples they're holding hands that time so yeah, it's like yeah sure. and it's Oh, it's dramatic. I love it. <laughs> really good. I don't know how, like, how did Tao miss that, that Nick and Charlie are holding hands as they run down the hallway? Like, is he blind? Like, honest to God, I swear. He was just focused on L. Oh. And he, was, he, he wasn't running that fast, so, you know. He just missed it. <laughs> they arrive into the hall and take their places. The same girls as before make some pretty horrendous homophobic comments, one of them telling the other not to look at Tara in case they catch the lesbian disease. Like, what a horrible thing to say. Um, Tara gets quite upset and she runs out of the room, Darcy following behind her. Charlie takes his place at the drums and Nick sits with him for a little moment. This is another scene which is reflected back from episode two. So the producers are taking us in a full circle now and we're getting the same scene repeated where Charlie is teaching Nick how to play the drums and he's holding Nick's hands and, and they're playing the drums. Charlie tells Nick that he's glad he came and uh, Nick comments that he, it seemed like Charlie didn't want him to come. And Charlie explains that he's worried that they've been hanging out and spending a lot of time together and he's worried that people are going to notice or that they'll guess and that they might start saying things about Nick too. It's so hard to watch. Charlie is so insecure, but so caring at the same time. I know. Yeah. It gets reflected as he's used to his relationship only ever being about the other person's needs and not having space for his own wants. And oh what, one goodness. of the things that he might want is to actually have a boyfriend who is happy to say that publicly and to be seen with him publicly. So even yeah. though it's really nice and supportive, seeing him, you know, encouraging Nick to take his time, there yeah. is a little part of me that is like, wants Charlie to not, not push Nick because that wouldn't be appropriate, but it's okay for Charlie to want to have a boyfriend who will hold hands that's in public right. and will be seen with him like that stuff matters mm -hmm. um, so yeah that's right it's an interesting observation actually Charlie's putting a lot of pressure on himself like he's really concerned for Nick and he doesn't really take very good care of himself you know what I mean yeah he's 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 all there for Nick and um, yeah 
we see how that pressure builds up and it plays out in the next couple of episodes that it just all gets a bit too much. Nick tells Charlie that he's been researching about bisexuality. This is where we see Nick start to become really confident now and, and really he's found his label and he's feeling much more assured, assured about you know how he feels and everything else. He looks much more content and settled whenever he talks about it. Um, I love how this this show highlights the importance of taking time to get to know yourself. It's come up in a few episodes about how queer people often have this opportunity that, that heteronormative people don't, that we have this chance to really reflect and explore who we are and that it's something that we should take our time with. It's beautifully done here. Lovely. And lovely to see him grow that confidence and the confidence that can come of finding the right language to describe yourself. Definitely. Labels are really important, aren't they? They bring they bring positives definitely in terms of like a sort of self understanding and finding community around them. They can yeah. bring some negatives as well, but there's definitely huge positives there. For sure. And, and being able to communicate that to someone as well, out with that community that maybe doesn't understand, yes. being able to have words to describe to them yes. that are what it is. They're well understood. Yeah. Yeah. Tara retreats to the instrument store as Darcy follows her in the door closes behind her, locking them in. Darcy encourages Tara to talk to her and, and Tara explains that everything has changed since she came out. It's quite painful for Tara this moment. She doesn't regret coming out. It's just that she wasn't prepared for everyone to treat her differently. She doesn't know how to behave anymore and she feels like she can't lead her life. All she wants to do is to be able to lead her life. Darcy's really offers some comfort in this moment. It's a really nice it's it's almost nice to see like a different side of Darcy. Like we yeah. haven't seen this comforting side of Darcy before. Yeah, I thought that was a really tender scene uh, of the two of them. And it was like a softer side of um, Darcy that came through. And I just love as well, even though like there were lots of emotion from Tara yeah. and, you know, some tears, but it kind of ended on a on a positive note that it, it will get better. And it, it absolutely will. For sure. And, and there can be a complex feeling there. You know, Tara is happy she's come out and she's struggling with yeah. some of the outcomes that she hadn't expected of feeling quite exposed or vulnerable and that's possible to happen at the same time yeah absolutely it's very complex isn't it to feel all these kind of mixed emotions for somebody yeah. like whenever you're a teenager your brain isn't fully developed and you've got all these yeah. raging hormones in your body and to have to go through all these experiences yeah. that heteronormative people don't they just carry on oblivious to it all yeah but just being able to kind of uh, pull them out as well and feeling all these different things, exactly what you were saying, Paula, like, and, and the fact that, you know, acknowledging actually this is really hard that I've exposed yeah. myself now, but I'm also happy that, that I can just now hold Darcy's hand in public and, and yeah. you know, be with my girlfriend. There's so many things that co coexist and just being able to acknowledge that and process that, like the fact that, that they can exist yeah, next that's to each other, you know. They're yeah. doing that in real time. So they're exactly. not holding on to all those weird feelings and then 20 years later, I'd be like, why do I feel weird about my sexuality or my identity? Now I need to spend thousands of pounds in therapy. Therapy is always good. Always encouraged to get therapy. But I just love that they're able to actually just be real with these emotions at the time with the people who are important to them. They're not holding anything back. They're not holding anything in too yeah. much or suppressing any. They're, pro they're processing them as they're happening and being yeah. able to talk with someone whether that's your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your partner or it's, it's a friend like it's being able to acknowledge actually right now I'm feeling like this but I'm also feeling like that and that's okay it, it, you know welcome welcome that in and and just being with what what comes up and it doesn't have to be perfect that when you come out just to you know you're not expected to feel completely um okay about everything and I think 
in in Tara's story arc, you can really see that. It's like it's all of these things happening at once. It's good, it's bad, it's everything. And or maybe we don't even have to like judge it as good or bad. It's just there's lots happening. That's and right. uh, you know, it's okay to cry about it, it's okay to be happy about yeah, it. Yeah. Like, to um, feel a little bit overwhelmed and exactly you know that that's, that's all part of it. Exactly. It's so good. I feel like I should mention that um, not all therapy costs thousands of pounds. That is true. Yes, you're right. There's lots of lots of sort of free therapy that one can access. Yes. Whether that's through the health service or through different charities or organizations. For sure. The Rainbow Project, one of our partners, has a free counseling service for queer people in Northern Ireland and you can self-refer so if you feel like you do want to chat to somebody about that then please do if you didn't have some if you want to explore your experiences of coming out if you didn't have a great experience and actually you're feeling like some of those feelings would be shame or whatever it is about your identity have followed you around in your life and you would like space to explore that and resolve it I definitely recommend therapy yeah. No, I'm, 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 I'm completely with that as well, and I think it doesn't matter where you're at in your life. You know, it some can can be really helpful to speak with someone, with a professional, um, about certain experiences, and even with my with my story as well. You know, going mm. back years later, um, and because I just kind of had to get on with my life, and 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 that was okay for a while, but then revisiting what had happened, um, with the church and and my experience, like it's it's been so helpful being able to. Um, speak with a therapist about that and I would encourage anyone as well um, you know to to access that and let's just get rid of the stigma therapy is good yes. everyone should have a therapist <laughs> was it really scary whenever you started that process Doru like to reach out to a counseling service or a therapist and to have that initial conversation with them about needing help and support I think the process of trying to find the right therapist that can be a bit daunting. Um, and I'd looked at lots of different, like obviously there's lots of different types of therapy out there. And I'd done when I was younger, I'd um, had like shorter, um, ther- like a few sessions before when I was at uni, yeah. and that was really helpful. So I had a sense of what it might be like, but um, and that then helped me to kind of find the right kind of therapy of what what I needed in yeah. um, in that moment in time. But um, I would say um, any good counselor will um, will offer like an introductory session where you can kind of uh, meet and figure out, yeah, where you know just to see if there is there a click, you know, um, is it the right kind of therapy and just as as two people, and um, they will facilitate that first session. And I, I would recommend everyone everyone doing that just to see. 100%. That's and it's that it's the chemistry between. The- a uh, uh, user and a counsellor or a therapist important in the process? Yeah, I absolutely think so. At least that's been my experience. Obviously, it depends on the type of therapy that you're doing, but if it's relational therapy, there's a lot of healing that can come through the therapeutic relationship because you're able to revisit some of those dark places and painful experiences that have brought you to therapy in the first place. And being, being able to do that with your therapist by your side um, and through their support, you're able to bring healing. And I think that's why it's so important that you feel a genuine sense of connection and empathy and warmth with your therapist from the start so that you're able to build that trust to allow that process to happen. So my advice would be if you're choosing a therapist, follow your gut to make sure that that connection is right for you. And yeah, with any good therapist, they will never tell you what to do. It's much more about them helping you on your own journey to um, rediscover and connect with your own inner wisdom so that you can make the choices that are right for you. Thank you for sharing that. It's very interesting. Really, really interesting. I love my therapist. So that was <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Do you want to give them a plug? <laughs> 
<laughs> when the others interrupt their kiss, Darcy jokes that it's homophobia, and after being let out, they run down the hallway past the camera. The two couples are holding hands as they run down, and Tao and Elle are separated by space in the scene being reflected. Charlie, Tara, and Darcy take their places for the concert. Nick hands Tara her instrument and asks if she's going to be okay. Um, and she asks him the same question back. Many of the scenes we get are interspersed with these really special kind of intimate moments where they're just so supportive of each other. It's just a joy to watch. So kind. We leave the show as Nick sits with Elle and Tao. He makes eye contact and shares a smile with Charlie. This is another moment, I think, when Charlie waves at him. They wave at each other constantly. <laughs> and Elle watches Tao and smiles and another little um, red heart pops between them. I love that story arc so much. I can't wait to see it in season two, how it develops. Yeah. It's going to be really good. When is season two coming out? It'll be out, I think, probably April or March time, April or May next year. Can't yeah. wait. It'll be really good. And we've got episodes planned every week until that point, right mm -hmm. up until it comes out. Then you guys will be back to do even more episodes. Yay. <laughs> i'll be back i think <laughs> hopefully what did you folks think of the episode i loved it i think this episode it was there was lots of different things happening um so it was quite a busy episode and yeah. nothing i feel like in this one nothing huge happened but still lots of lots of important things happened yeah. that's it it was like we had these really great moments of queer joy in this episode. And I know that there was a little bit of um, discomfort for Tara and her journey not quite going the way that she'd hoped. But equally, there was it was just even that was just filled with so much hope in a way and so much comfort from her friends. It was just a great episode to watch. It was just lovely. Yeah, I totally agree. It's just this beautiful sort of threads of friendship and support in between the different young people in the show that was just absolutely lovely to watch. I do want to make a little plug before we finish up, um, which is just it's slightly off topic, but it stays on the kind of coming out focus, which is that recently LGBT Scotland, we co-produced with young people a coming out guide for all trans and non-binary young people. Um, so if you're currently questioning your gender identity, thinking about coming out as trans and non-binary or have questions in those areas, maybe for, your, maybe for someone in your life who you're supporting, um, you can head over to our website at www.lgbtyouth.org.uk. Is that right, Doral? Yeah, absolutely. That's well correct. Done, that is the web address. <laughs> and in the resources section, it's a, really, it's a beautiful resource that includes um, lots of young people recounting their lived experiences, the lessons that they learned, things they might have done differently if they could go back. Um, so there's a lot to be learned, a lot to kind of help you reflect and think about what is right for you and to do hopefully what, um, some of the friends do for Nick here which is to encourage you to take the space that you need um, and yeah. take the time to think about um, what yeah. words feel right for you to describe yourself and to come out in a way that you feel comfortable and happy with um, and sure. not on anyone else's timeline. It's also really helpful for people who um, are just a bit curious and want to find out a bit more like I forwarded on to my brother who runs the network with me Simon who runs Shut Up and Listen with me um, one of his son's friend, his son, I think is, isn't it terrible that I don't know what age my nephew is? It is horrendous. I think he's like 10 or 11. But recently, one of his friends has been spending a lot of time at their house and he's been talking about how he doesn't really feel like he has a gender and all this kind of stuff. And that guide has been really helpful for Simon in kind of helping him manage those things. So it has oh, made a really big difference. That's great. I'm so that's really just really delighted to hear that that it's making an impact. So thank you so much for sharing that. I love that. Oh wow. So yeah, 
That's Got a amazing. bit emotional there. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, Jamie. <laughs> I will. I will tell the people who are involved in, in producing the guide that their work has, um, has made impact. a difference. Oh. Yeah. Is there anything else that you guys want to talk about before we wrap up? Yeah, I just I have I want to know what was your favorite moment of this episode? My favorite moment? Oh my goodness, do I have a favorite moment of this episode? I love the whole just thing. Just one. Pick one. Just, I have to pick one. I don't know you that too, I can Paula. pick one. Um, I think I really enjoyed watching the supportive interactions between Tara and Darcy. Um you know, that Which one? Pick one. Pick <laughs> one. You're really like testing me here. I only watched the episode <laughs> twice. Um, <laughs> for the last, the bit we talked about the last bit there, where they were like in the music room together, and Tara like having her feelings. Um, I love that Darcy was like able to like let her have her feelings, but also that she brings that humor and levity and like the the beauty and the joy that they find in their relationship is just lovely. I like the yeah. just lovely little like teeny little moments like that. They were just um really beautiful. I really there's two moments I can't pick just one I think there are two moments that I really love (laughs) whenever Nick and Charlie are lying beside the tree another another uh, heartstopper tree moment and they're Mm -hmm. having that conversation about Nick taking his time and that line that Charlie delivers about him not being sorry like don't be sorry is just a really lovely moment and then the other moment is um, Tao and Elle walking along the river I think that's (laughs) a great moment too lovely really for me it's good. still for me it's still the hug on the floor um and charlie's so yes. happy that he's come out to tara oh, i love yeah. that it's that's such my a nice moment, moment. <laughs> that is basically Elle's response to charlie saying that him and nick are going out was also a highlight for me just that sheer yeah delight <laughs> and joy that something your friend thought was not going to happen because i could really identify with the friends of being like charlie this is not going to happen that's something you wish would happen but it doesn't to then see that actually come true for them and just be so delighted which is lovely oh that's so nice um folks thanks so much for listening it has been so good to meet with lgbt of scotland and thank you to paula and doro for coming onto the show (laughs) and sharing this experience with us thank you for having us it was oh, an absolute pleasure. pleasure. It was, oh, loved it. <laughs> I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. For listeners out there, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. It makes such a huge difference. Yes. We're very early in our journey as a podcast and hitting that subscribe button really does make a huge difference. Um, so does all those five-star reviews I know that you're going yep. to write. And uh, follow us on Proper Full On GC on Instagram, Twitter and on Facebook. Take care, folks. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 Today's show was produced by Shut Up and Listen in partnership with LGBT Youth Scotland. Your hosts were Paula, Doru, and me, Jamie. For more information about the show or about our partners, visit properfullongaycrisis.com. And to find out about our other hit shows, visit shutup.world.